We could cut our losses. We could head back to Earth and regroup. We could finish the quest, restore magic, and then maybe revisit this when we stand a fighting chance. You and I both sacrificed a lot for Fillory. And now we're supposed to just hand over the kingdom to the albino supermodel? Bitch took my eye. Hey, I don't want to leave. But what if we're making things worse? There wasn't a blood test to tell me to be High Queen. I chose it. And I have had to fight for every shred of authority. And no offense, but you can't understand because it was handed to you. And now I'm supposed to abandon my kingdom. Those fairy bitches want to come for my crown. Well, I'll shove it up their fucking ankles. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Physical Kids Weekly. I'm Clara. And I'm Danny. And we're back this week to talk about episode 307, Poached Eggs. So, start with a quick recap. Margot and Elliot use their embryonic hostages to wrest back control of Fillory while on Earth, Quentin, Poppy, and Penny cook up a draconian plan. See what I did there? Uh, to retrieve the key from the underworld. Alice's body rejects Julia's magic, and Fenn and Elliot learn they've been duped. So, Danny. What did you think of this episode? It was good. It was good. Um, <laughs> I, re- I really thought it was a good episode, but it was kind of more like uh, one of those like slightly filler episodes to kind of like, you know, get the story on its way. Yeah, there's a lot of setup for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's definitely something I noticed, too. And it, it goes back. It's funny because I when we were talking like when we went back and did season one, I was feeling like, oh, well, I don't really like the ensemble episodes, but this season, I think I'm realizing that what I was objecting to is that I get I just get a little bored sometimes with some of the setup episodes. And I think there's a mm-hmm. lot of really good stuff in this, um, and we definitely have there a lot is. to talk about. Um, but you're right that it's a little bit more sort of filler setup on its way to what's going to happen in the next one um, to get the pacing of the seri- this season as a whole right. Mm-hmm. Um. Also sad at the lack of Josh still. <laughs> I know. We keep Poppy keeps mentioning him, so you know, we know he can't be gone completely, but no Josh, no Rafe. It's been like a long um, drought of some favorite characters. Yeah, and speaking of Rafe, I should probably mention my like half baked theory oh, yeah, in this yeah. episode at some point. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, make sure you do that. Um, before we get into the episode, though, uh, I thought we'd talk. Did you see that Lev tweeted out the Hogwarts houses of all the book characters? It did. It did. <laughs> so I thought it might be fun to sort of go through them because I have some opinions, and I'm sure you do too. Yeah. So <laughs> the first one he started with is Alice, who's a Ravenclaw. That one felt like it was pretty obvious to me. Yeah. Um. Then he says Josh is a Gryffindor, which also seems pretty obvious to me. Like Josh is clearly the um, the, the, the Weasley Neville. twin. Oh, I was thinking the Weasley twin. No, he's more the Neville because like everyone thought he didn't believe like belong in the physical kid house, and then like he really like shows himself a couple times, and it's like that's totally that. Neville. I think I was also thinking that he's like the entertainer of the group in a lot of ways. He is. He's kind of like a hybrid, I guess, of like both those characters. I guess, though, we're arguing over which Gryffindor he is, so clearly we agree that he's a Gryffindor. What did yeah. you think about Elliot as a Gryffindor? Um, I can see it, 
but only really like Fillory Elliot. Like before that, he yeah. kind of doesn't really belong there in, at all. He's always in my mind been like a Silver and Ravenclaw hybrid. Uh huh. Yeah, and I think like he is. You see that he's super intelligent in the books, right? Like he doesn't. There's some scene where I think like Quentin is opining about like the varied intelligences of of all the physical kids and he talks about how like Elliot or maybe it's when he's talking to Josh and Josh is talking about feeling like he doesn't fit in. Um I know they mentioned several times, like even in kind of like a passing that Elliot is just like doesn't have to try. He doesn't have to put in the yeah, effort. Yeah. 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 But it still seems like he really cares about it. But I don't know, maybe I'm imposing that on him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and definitely I agree with you that, like, I thought of him, like, the fact that he puts so much into his appearance and so much into, um, kind of, like, outward external factors made me think Slytherin, too. So, interesting to see that, uh, ye old god of, uh, the, the magicians believes he's a Gryffindor. <laughs> uh, Janet, okay. Slytherin seems totally obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, Penny as a Ravenclaw, I'd buy it. I'd buy it too, especially since he like also kind of like was an advanced student for a while and then he kind of failed out. Yeah. Um, but I would also, I've always been on, at least show Penny is definitely a Hufflepuff. Oh, show Penny is a Hufflepuff. I mean, we've discussed this for sure. Book Penny, I would feel like, is actually a Gryffindor. That's sort of how I felt, too. And I think it's mostly because he punches people. He's, like, brave. <laughs> like, he's the whole reason they go to Fillory. Like, yeah, yeah. He's like, let's go, guys. Yeah. yeah, he's, like, up for all the adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, Julia Ravenclaw also seems, like, reasonable, though I think she definitely, in the books especially has, well, actually in both, like has some serious Slytherin to her, right? Like she will do whatever the fuck she needs to do to get magic. And I don't think it's just because she wants to know all the things. Yeah, that's true. Ravenclaws also will do just about anything to get knowledge. So it's kind of like, she says it like as if that's what she wants though. I think what I saw though, especially in the books was that, it it didn't seem like it was it it seemed like it came out of ambition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I mean I definitely think that Ravenclaw is in there, but I always saw a little bit of Slytherin too. Yeah, and then the big one, Quentin Hufflepuff. You know, I've always been on the train of Quentin being a Hufflepuff rather than a Gryffindor, and a lot of people think he's a Gryffindor. I don't agree, um, only because I feel like his his brave moments don't come out of him being, you know, inherently brave. They come out of him being loyal. Well, and I think that speech that Alice gives him when they go to Fillory, when they go to the Netherlands and they're like fighting and she uh, is like yelling at him and she tells him right before they go, like, you have always been the most unbelievable pussy, right? Like all of that is about him not being brave and not having the courage of his convictions in a way that I think a Gryffindor typically does. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is right like compared with Julia he's always been smart but he gets there by working hard and you see the same thing like when he and Penny and Alice are training to try to get into year two ahead of schedule like 
Alice is the brilliant one. We don't know what Penny's deal is in that situation, but clearly Penny is pretty brilliant himself. And Mm -hmm. Quentin is the one who works really hard for it. Mm -hmm. So I think let's throw one in here since we have her now. What do you think Poppy is? Book Poppy and show Poppy. That's a tough one. I feel like book Poppy would probably be like a Gryffindor. Show Mm -hmm. Poppy probably a Slytherin. Yeah, I'm with you. So book Poppy, I think where I would get Gryffindor from is when she like jumps into the lake uh, or into the river rather uh, after Quentin to go see the dragon. Like she's up for all the adventures and she clearly has an element of that in the show too, but I don't know the like, she's very willing to throw other people under the bus to get what she wants in the show so far. Also, I'm like, can't help but think now in the show since Poppy's a redhead and, and I'm just like, and she's so into dragons and I'm just like, is she like Charlie Weasley? Like, (laughs) I think she's a little less moral than Charlie Weasley, but uh, <laughs> I get the comparison. Well, we don't know too much about Charlie Weasley. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, do you want to do you want to share your your theory about Rafe now, or do you want to wait until we're into the episode a little more? Yeah, I could talk about it now since he's not really in the episode. So, yeah. um, which makes me sad. So, we've been like discussing how much we miss. Rafe pretty much every single time uh, <laughs> we, we watch an episode. Um, and so I just started thinking about it. And I've had thoughts about this like early on, but kind of like shrugged them away. Maybe because I like Rafe and I don't want him to e- be evil, but I'm pretty sure he's evil. <laughs> um, and I don't know if he's evil because he wants to be evil or if this is like something that Abigail is pushing on him because that could also very well be it's Abigail that's actually in charge of everything that's going on. But Maybe I think she's like controlling his brain. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I do think he's working for the fairies. I don't think Pickwick is, but I no. think Rafe is. If Pickwick were working for the fairies, he'd be doing a pretty bad job since he's also like facilitating a lot of bad things that happen to the fairies. Yeah, but he could be like, I mean, if that was the case, he could be playing double agent. Yeah, but, that's fair. Um, Every single time they've gone to the fairy realm, which is only a couple times, Rafe has been the reason they've gone. He just suddenly knows how they can get there. He's like, oh, here's this bottle that will take you there. You're right. I didn't even think about that. And he has actually, I think it's after he gives it to Margo and she like disappears. He has this weird like twitchy smile afterwards. Like he just did something really like evil. Well, and you know, I mean, uh, is it Sergio or Sergio Osuna who plays him? What's the Sergio, yeah. Sergio, uh, who plays him, um, has, he is like the most innocent face, and you know they always cast the, the innocent-looking ones to be evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just to throw you off the scent. All right, It's yeah. just been so suspect that he hasn't shown up in a while. Yeah, I dig it. You'd think we'd be hearing mm-hmm. something from Abigail. you think she'd be advising in some capacity. Right. I, I just like uh, I'm not trusting, especially just like every single time they they get any kind of information about the fairies. It's from Rafe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it here first. Rafe is an evil fairy agent. <laughs> OK, um, so let's get into the episode. Time to poach some eggs. 
Uh, I want to start with some of my own favorite moments because there were a lot of them in this episode. And the my absolute favorite moment was the one that we played in the clip at the top of the podcast, which is Margot's monologue. Um, that whole thing about like there not being a test for her to be a high queen. And I think she does like a good job of explaining to Elliot why it's so important to her that they don't just give up and why and like what it means to her to be in a position of authority and why it matters to her not just to do right by their kingdom, but yeah, and why it matters to do right by their kingdom and why it matters for her to be the one who does it. Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, when you were watching this episode, um, did that strike you or was it was it just a me thing? I loved that part. I was just kind of like, literally like, yes, queen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, she is totally the high queen. <laughs> she is. Um, and I think it, it throws into into sharp relief the contrast between her and Elliot as leaders. Because Elliot wants to do the right thing, but he's a little reluctant about that. And you see that later in the episode, too, when he like is talking to Frey about how he wants her to like things. And she says, I can see that you want to be a good father. <laughs> <laughs> with a like heavy implication of you're not, but you know, you want to be versus Margot who just goes out and fucking does things, make sure like she gets shit done and make sure that um, if there's something that needs to happen, it happens. Yeah. She's been doing that like pretty much every single episode this season, like done something. Yeah. Uh, she wasn't necessarily should have done, but knows she needs to. Yeah. Um, she has been doing that this whole episode or this whole season. She's really like, you see that she's the powerhouse of the royal leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, the other favorite moment I have, I think you're going to be able to guess this. Uh, Fen unleashing her inner theater nerd with Todd and Frey. <laughs> I mean... Yes. I loved Fen in this episode, but of course I also loved Todd. Like I just kept just like going on and on about Todd. Like my notes mentioned Todd many, many times. <laughs> what do they say? Well, for one, I feel like Adam has to like ad lib all of Todd's lines because they're like so ridiculous. <laughs> I also would love Fen to leave Elliot for Todd. Yes. Uh, we need a new ship. We need uh, Fen plus Todd, which I'm going to mm-hmm. ca- I'm gonna call it. The ship name is 10, because they're a 10. It's <laughs> great. <laughs> and that would be how we could get High, te- high King Todd. Like, kick Elliot the fuck yes, out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if he needs to be married to mm-hmm. Fen to be and High King. But I also love that part where... Um, Todd calls Elliot dad. No, oh my god. <laughs> but I also knew that they were making like a very ill-fated decision in trusting Todd. Oh yeah, cuz he's like, incompetent. I mean, he's a very smart person, obviously. He just like makes really dumb choices. <laughs> yes. You know, like his common sense isn't quite there, but like his upper level like intelligence is there. Yeah. Do you um you remember Richard in the books? As opposed yeah. to the show. Um, you remember this, the like dinner party where like Margot is fawning all over him um, and Quentin realizes that like the way he looks up to Margot and Elliot is the way that they feel about Richard and he's like, but Richard is a douche. Um, mm-hmm. I think Todd is Margot in that moment. He's the, or he's like the person who looks up to 
who looks up to um Elliot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he sees them as as mom and dad. You remember earlier in the season there was the whole like Margolem thing where he's like, I just pretend she respects me. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. Um, basically, Todd has been absolutely amazing this whole season. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm very happy that he's in it more. Yeah, absolutely. but I also feel like he has to get together with Fen because it's the ultimate like ridiculous. Um, like Elliot always feels like he's trying to like take his life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think also like Fen is so accepting. Like Fen, Fen could help Todd heal. She could like help him realize it's okay to be just you. You don't need to be like fancy Elliot to be cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I approve. I ship it. Um, the other favorite moment I had was um when Julia saves Alice from the from the vampire and I guess technically from herself. Yeah. That's also my, my new ship <laughs> is, is Julia and Alice. I'm just like, it's like very sudden, but I'm just like, this is amazing. Are you seeing them as a couple or just as like a really strong friendship bond? I could see them as a couple. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I see them as a couple, but I am really digging, digging their friendship and their, their like, I mean, they have a lot of chemistry in in a very particular way, um, and I actually well, it could be this really amazing, like the Legend of Korra ending, how the two girls dated the same dude, but then they ended up together at the end. I mean, like, I, I'm never brilliant. sad about that particular outcome, <laughs> but it does feel I don't know. I think partly, I I don't know. I just I I still want to see Julia be book Julia. Still want to see her turn into a I, goddess and. I mean, me too, but I mean, that doesn't mean you can't have, like, a love interest. I don't know. I think there ain't no time for romance for uh, for Goddess Julia, Demi-Goddess Julia. Yeah, I mean, if they go the exact same route, uh-huh. then probably not, but... Um, so, one of the things that I had in my notes about... Well, I guess we can get into the plot lines. So, why don't we start, though, with Alice's body rejecting Julia's magic. So, what did you think of this... I mean, you were talking. We talked about this a little in the last episode when they did the transfer. Is this how you expected it to go? I wasn't sure what was going to happen exactly. I definitely knew that like Alice was probably going to start dying from it. Mm. I didn't realize. I didn't think it would be in quite that way. But I like. It was really cool that they're basically like. It's, it's like a organ. Yeah. Organ rejection. Yeah, and I really liked what. I think, like, I was trying to think about, like, why did they do this if they were just going to undo it? And one of the things that I really like is Alice. I think Alice is in a unique position where she's smart enough and powerful enough um, that Julia is going to trust what she says. And, you know, Alice doesn't, she's not going to lie to you and to preserve your feelings, at least not post-Niffin Alice. Mm-hmm. And so I think, like, Alice is in a unique position to both... Uh, it sort of em- on an emotional level and on an intellectual level, be the one who sees that it's not Reynard's magic anymore; it's Julia's, and to be able to convey that to her. Um, mm-hmm. and I really liked that moment. I mean, I think like seeing the two of them together. One part that I love is that it it softens Julia and it hardens Alice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see like different parts of them than you see around anyone else. Yeah. 
Also, that part, though, where Alice, like, Banshee screams and, like, pushes Julia yeah. and almost kills her. Yeah. All I could think of is it reminded me of, like, kind of some of her niffin coming in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's maybe something else that Alice is going to have to contend with is that, like, I think she feels now that she can handle power without being that, that, like, there's some middle ground that she can get to. Um, and I think she's going to maybe have to have to deal with the fact that she's not there yet, that she has to do some emotional work before she can handle being powerful again. Yeah. Um, so I have a question written down, um, because one of the things that I really like in this episode too, is that Julia takes responsibility for Alice. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, a lot of people, especially the people who don't like Julia, have complained that, like, she's not reliable and she just sort of, like, does all this shit to other people. And I think this is a really good episode of showing that, like, she can be totally reliable and totally dependable and she is willing to face the consequences of her actions in a way that, like, almost nobody else is doing. Yeah, she's um, definitely growing. I think in the season and in general, I've been telling people like this is Julia like this is Julia from the books this is why I love Julia um rather than like always having to to come to her defense before yeah and I'm seeing that too like I saw on one of the I think it was on the Facebook group that I'm part of that like a bunch of people were saying like Julia used to be my least favorite character and now she's my favorite and it's like yes thank you we've been telling you this (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so then I have one other question about that plot line, which is that snortable magic. Uh, where do you think it comes from? Because I have a theory. Um, I'm thinking fairies because there's that part in um, in the episode where Penny's watching everyone and he, the fairies are there at uh, the mansion that she lives at. So I also think fairies, though, for a slightly different reason, um, you remember the it has that magic has a weird quality. It's got this like wispy black stuff. Um, yeah. And I noticed that when the fairy queen disappears at the end of the episode, there's a lot of that around her as she disappears. So really? yeah, I think it's like maybe that's a poached egg, you know, ground up fairy. Maybe it, or it's just like they might have taken, given it to them for whatever reason. Because, like, there was just fairies there at the house. Like, they might have been the ones actually doing the cleaning. Maybe. That no one can see them. But do you think fairies would do that? Do you think they would, like, voluntarily... Well, I guess they'd be getting something out of the arrangement. (laughs) Maybe they work for that family for a reason. Or maybe one of them is related to the fairies somehow. Yeah. I don't know. There's so many possibilities. I am very interested in where this is going. So, yeah, uh, I'm glad we agree. Snortable magic is fairy magic. All right. um, So while we're on the subject of fairies, that fairy queen is a devious fucker. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Very devious. (laughs) So one of the things we see in this episode is we get a little bit of a sense of her endgame. And her endgame seems to be to to get rid of children of Earth and Fillory, to stop them from being in power. So also to piggyback off of my, like half-baked theory from earlier i feel like prince s might also be involved Hmm. say more i i don't know why it's just like he shows up and then disappears and like writes them a letter disappears 
And it just seems shady. <laughs> and he also was like not on board with them really ruling Fillory. And mm-hmm. he was kind of like wanting to get in on it. And it might not be necessarily that he doesn't like Margot, just that he wants to rule. That's possible. I am thinking that like, well, who do you think is going to come into power? Do you think it's going to be him? I don't think that the fairies would rule themselves. No. Like, I feel like they would have someone rule for them. They like to have puppets. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I mean, if our Rafe theory's true, maybe Rafe or maybe Prince. Maybe both of them together. I like your Rafe theory more and more because, right, he's also, he's been a servant to, uh, and a, um, yeah, he's been like a servant to Children of Earth and to Rulers of Fillory for a really long time. So he's been in that subservient role and I can totally see this being his way like of, of getting out of that being like, no, fuck you. I'm going to win. I'm going to roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and what do you think is going to happen next episode? <laughs> Cause we kind of left on a cliffhanger. I have no idea. It's really hard for me to think like what, what is happening? <laughs> Total and utter chaos, obviously. Um, I don't know. They're probably going to be imprisoned and somehow like someone else is probably going to let them free. Uh I don't know how, but well, and especially now that the fairy queen knows about the portals, I feel like unless unless Prince S is good and he actually saves them. Yeah. Or tick. That's also a possibility or tick. Yeah. (laughs) I really like tick. I think we say that every episode. I know. (laughs) Um, All right. Anything else on the fairy plot line you want to cover? No, I don't think I have anything. Okay, so then I don't have much about breaking Katie out of the hospital. Like, I think that that's, that's, an important, that's important for moving the plot forward. And the one thing I have is that it really lets us see just how completely dysfunctional and codependent Katie and Penny are. Yeah. They make, like, a pretty damn good team either way, but they're very unhealthy for each other. Yeah, for real. Um, and then, like, most of the other stuff I have is just, like, noting that Poppy continues to be Poppy. <laughs> like, uh... Yeah. It's, it's fu- it, One funny thing about, like, seeing her and Quentin planning it together and, like, knowing all the same things about, men- like, both knowing the ins and outs of mental institutions is you can kind of view Poppy as, like, another version of Quentin. Like, the... They clearly have some similar experiences. <laughs> like like Quentin devoid of emotions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If he didn't take everything so personally. Yeah. Um, if, if he uh, blamed the outside world instead of blaming himself for everything. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, there's these moments where it's like Quentin really, like, admires her, but he's also scared of her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, I mean, I get that. I admire and am afraid of her. And I also admire and am still slightly terrified of Felicia Day. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I didn't have anything else on that. Was there anything else you wanted to say about the, like... I think the library plot we're going to have more in the next episode, and it's a little hard to, like, talk about it now. Mm-hmm. That's true. Though I do like that... I mean... I- I always love seeing Marley Matlin, though. Oh, yeah. Just anytime. She's great. Um, And I do really like that, like, Penny's going to have to become a book in order to go to the other world. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm also really excited to see um, Penny reunite with uh, with Benedict because, you know, Benedict was like, oh, Penny's my best friend. Oh, yeah. And actually, man, so the scene in the underworld in the books where it's Quentin in that role, um, Benedict has all this this anger about that, that sort of comes from seeing Quentin as his role model and looking up to him, but not being able to connect with him and feeling like Quentin doesn't feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And I can totally see Qu- uh, Penny filling that role in the show. Cause they definitely have much more of a relationship. Yeah. Cause Quentin literally had, had he even met Benedict before? He, I think he, he'd met him, I think during the, the cock Barons episode, but. Yeah, it definitely his relationship with Benedict is fairly new compared to Penny's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only people who really have a relationship with Benedict, I feel like, would be Elliot and, and Penny. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the the big one that I have all of my notes for, like you, is Fen, Frey, and Todd out on the town in New York City. I wish we'd gotten to see that so badly. I know. I feel cheated. I'm really hoping that there's, like, a deleted scene somewhere or, like, a webisode that they're going to put out that's just going to be, like, Fen and Todd and Frey's adventures in on Earth. I love the part where he was just like, I just thought Frey was crazy. <laughs> it was so good. And I just love, like, I mean, I love that, like, you get to see Fen's inner theater nerd, which is Brittany's inner theater nerd. Like, she's a huge theater nerd. It's, it's adorable to see. And that, like... Mm-hmm. She, I, I guess I have a lot of stuff for fashion that's related, but like she, like Todd clearly goes with everything that she does. Uh, mm-hmm. And then like seeing the contrast too between like Fen and Frey, where Fen is like excited about everything, the like family style comment mm-hmm. <laughs> about the the pizza, pizza Hut or whatever it was. And then Frey being like a man urinated next to me. Which is just like, that's definitely New York, so yeah. welcome. Though it also, like, it reminded me of that, like, unearned imperiousness com- uh, comment from before. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I also have, we already talked about this, but Todd calling Elliot dad. <laughs> mm-hmm. I died. That was so great. <laughs> All right. A- anything else on the episode before we move to fashion? I don't think so. I think we've covered pretty much everything. Oh, I mean, I did make a lot of notes about how, like, Dean Fogg is so good at burning everyone in this episode. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because he just doesn't give a shit because he's so drunk. (laughs) But also, like, Dean Fogg has, like, history with, like, so many babes. He really does. Dean Fogg's a slut. Yeah. (laughs) That was was the only other thing I feel like. What is her name, by the way? Uh, The the woman on the board who bought break pills? I can never remember it. I, I can't remember it either. I just I know that actress from other things and it's gonna drive me nuts. She's I just know she's related to that dude that like that like killed the guy in uh in um the fuck. <laughs> the guy that like was friends with Rupert Chatwin. They're oh, related. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you it's were talking about like, the actress for a second. And I was like, this has been uh, Danny's murder no, tangent. No, no, no. <laughs> no the character. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, fashion, right? 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to start with Fen because I love her in that, like, I Heart New York shirt and, like, Todd with the Statue of Liberty hat and, like, still wearing a cape because why not? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my favorite thing is that, like, Fen discovered jeans. Uh, <laughs> and even when they return to Fillory, she she stays in jeans, right? Like, she keeps wearing jeans and a T-shirt and, like, it is frilly and girly, the the shirt that she wears and she has, like, feminine accessories but mm-hmm. it feels like she's been waiting her whole life to be liberated from Florian fashion expectations just like Elliot has been waiting his whole life for a chance to wear the kind of royal garb he wears at Fillory yeah so yeah I just really love Fen <laughs> Fen discovering jeans and I hope she never wears a dress again I mean or at least never wears a Florian dress again <laughs> yeah I really like her her fashion choices, her little choker. Yeah, not little. <laughs> it's serious yeah. business. Um, it is. And then one of the other outfits that I really noticed was Victoria's, because she's wearing mm-hmm. this like really bohemian, long, colorful, open sweater, and a lot of like long, flowy jewelry, and then this like olive shirt with gold stars all over it. That, I mean, they're not the Hedwig stars, but it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, I can see that. She, yeah, it was super just, like, bohemian. Yeah. Boho style. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that I have, uh, so is it my imagination or, like, in that in that early, one of those early scenes when they're in break bills, do, are Poppy and Quentin wearing the same button-up shirt? I thought that as soon as they get back, like Quentin puts on like a hoodie and jeans. He's wear no, he's wearing a gray button up and she's also wearing a gray button up and she has like a red tank top under it. Maybe when they first got back. I don't know, maybe I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. I kinda wondered if like if Poppy is an actual sociopath or whatever, if she's like trying to subtly mimic him to gain his trust. It's probably too much <laughs> but Maybe. Maybe. And then speaking of them, they both clean up nice. I really liked getting to see Quentin in a suit. Actually, you know, speaking of, we did not discuss something from the episode, and it's just the fact that they, they kind of hook up at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah, they hook up. We keep, like, we forgot to talk about Quellia. I mean, we talked about, like, the entire episode, which involves a lot of Quellia in 305, but we, for, we like, never mentioned the word Quellia in that episode. We didn't. We're doing a bad job of talking about hookups. <laughs> well... This happens anytime. Anytime we have a guest on, we always have to leave stuff out because yeah. it's making up for that third person speaking. <laughs> so maybe at some point we'll just have an entire episode about Quilliet. We should have we should do like a special on ships sometime. That would be a good thing to do on the off season. Yeah. Um Okay, so yeah, uh Quentin and Poppy hook up. Quentin is very confused. Mm-hmm. Poppy is, like, whatever she is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just go with it. I just loved sh- just, like, the fact that it's just, like, Quentin's just like, you know what, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about them as a couple? I don't like it. I didn't like it in the books either, so. It didn't really happen much in the books, though, so. It was, like, starting to. I liked it in the books because Quentin had been, like, pining for so long over first Alice and then Julia, and I was just like, stop pining, and Poppy made him stop pining. True. Um, like, they had, I think, a really healthy relationship that was also clearly never going to be that deep. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of liked that. I liked seeing that—I I liked seeing a different kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think it probably will, I mean, we, we obviously are left in the books at a point where Quentin and Alice are not exactly together, but like, I think that if they get back together, it'll be healthier. And partly that'll be because Quentin learned how to have a decent relationship with somebody that doesn't just involve putting them on a pedestal. Yeah. I wonder how long they're going to make us wait for that. Cause you know, it'll happen. It's inevitable. Yeah. But when, um, Unless your other theory is right and Alice and Julia end up together. I would be down. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, in the show, I'm not really liking Quentin and Poppy because I don't trust Poppy. She seems dangerous. She seems dangerous, but I don't feel like she's, like, intentionally, like, up to no good. Like, I don't think she's, like, on the fairy side or anything weird. I don't think she is either, but, like, I don't know. I don't... I don't like the idea of Quentin with somebody who, with, like... The thing is, is if an opportunity arises where it would be, like, up to her own game, like, something that would make her gain anything, she would choose that. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like, I don't know, that makes me a little sad. But maybe it'll have the same effect on Quentin. Maybe, like, knowing that going in will mean that he's not relying on her and not depending on her. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I don't have much else for fashion, though I have a, non- a technically non-fashion thing, but I just loved the chicken box, the, like, entire throne room covered in feathers because Tick doesn't understand what chicken pox are. Yeah, that was hilarious. And then I wanted to leave some time for Julia, which I never noticed what she's wearing, but I figured you probably did. What was your favorite Julia outfit? I don't know how you didn't notice. Like literally, <laughs> one of one of my notes is that Stella just looks mega hot in this episode. Like, I mean, I, I think what. she looks mega hot in this episode too. But I I didn't notice that the clothes had much to do with that. I mean, her clothes always just like fit her perfectly, and like her hair looked perfect, and she looked perfectly tan. <laughs> Um, she, she just looked gorgeous in this episode, but I think I really liked her. Um, she's wearing this like off the shoulders shirt at the mm-hmm. beginning of the episode. That's like long sleeves, um, with her high waisted pants, of course. Mm-hmm. I really like that episode, that, that outfit. Cool. Well, I'm glad I left time for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. That's it for fashion MVP time. Yeah. All right, I'll I'll start off. This was um, a a great ensemble episode, and because of that, I'm really torn. I loved seeing a different side of Fen, um, and I swear to God, anytime like Brittany wells up on screen, I start crying a little too. And she definitely had some like cry face on. Um, Candace Kane as the fairy queen is on fucking fire. She's amazing, but I think that I'm gonna give it to Summer. Uh, Her delivery Mm -hmm. in that monologue to Elliot about privilege was just. It was just perfect. And the scene where they're negotiating after Frey goes to the Fairy Queen is so intense. Um, And I actually noticed, like, she's in the background in one shot. And you can see that she's welling up a little when she realizes that, like, that Frey isn't Elliot's daughter and that he's been tricked and, uh, and that, like, Fen is crushed. Um, So, yeah, Mm -hmm. Summer Bishel is my MVP this week. What about you? I was between Summer, Jade, and then Adam, because I love Adam, and <laughs> Todd is wonderful in this episode. Um, because and then, But Jade, I was thinking, because she does a really great job in this, like, mental hospital-like yeah. environment. Um, 
her freakouts, her like her monologues as well. She did a really great job, but I also inevitably had to give it to Summer just because of all the, the speech. Just she really gave it. Yeah. Um. All right. So rating. Actually, why don't you go first for this one? Um, I would probably give it a, a seven out of ten. Um, wasn't quite as good as the last episode. And it's definitely, I'm hoping the last kind of like set up filler episode. And I'm also just like, I'm just thinking about it. And I'm like, we're halfway through the season and they still need quite a few more keys. (laughs) Quite. (laughs) So unless they start finding a key in every episode, we might not find them all. I mean, I think we can. So we're halfway through the episode. There's 13, or this season, there's 13 episodes total. This is like a pivot one. And we have three and a half keys. So there are three and a half keys left. I think we can get there. Probably. But I'm still like, okay, they've spent like two episodes trying to retrieve this one. <laughs> so. Um, so for rating, I also gave it a seven out of 10. I think there's a lot that I love about this episode. Um, the, the, like, cliffhanger ending was perfect and just, like, really, I think that last, like, five minutes, it was a great job of, like, ramping up the intensity on the way out. Um, and there's yeah. a lot of really great scenes. Like, I, I love the one with Fen and Todd and Frey. I know I keep saying that, but it's true. I love it. Um, and I love Margot's monologue. And um, there's just, like, a lot of really great individual scenes. But I agree with you that, like, on the whole because it's a setup episode and it feels like there's a little more filler, it just didn't grab me the way some of the other recent ones have. Yeah. So yeah, seven out of 10. Me too. All right. Um, we're near the end. Is there anything else you want to say before we leave this podcast? No, I think I've said it all. (laughs) I I hope that we get to hear more in, uh, you need to keep us updated about your your ongoing feelings about uh, about Rafe as we go through. I will. It was nice to get a, a bit of a crackpot theory from you today too. <laughs> I know. I I didn't have one the last time. <laughs> um, so listeners, I guess that's it. Thank you for joining us this week. Remember to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. The more positive ratings we get, the higher we show up in search results, which means more fans can find us. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Physical Kids Pod. Bye. Bye. This has been uh, Danny's murder tangent. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe.